this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you got your Bible, go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll pick back up. This is one of the scriptures we ended with last week, and I still sense that we need to go back there and cover some things. been talking about the world. As you're turning to Colossians 1, let, let me give you a staggering statistic. Man, this was, this was just almost overwhelming when I looked at this. If you start watching TV as a child and you average watching 28 hours of TV a week, and some of us would think, 28 hours of TV? There's no way I'd do that. Don't kid yourself. Monitor to yourself. But if you would average 28 hours of TV that you watched a week, by the time you're 70 years old, you would have spent 10 full years of your life in front of TV. I thought, that, that's not sleep. That's not, that is for 10 years, every day, just sitting there. And I thought, oh my gosh. Now the scary thing is, is when I begin to look at how much I can watch TV. And it may be 30 minutes here, it may be an hour here, it may be, and you know, you can see it add up, and so, just kind of awake, and that's not what I'm talking about, just a statistic that I thought would be interesting to you, because it really interested me. So you can even say amen or oh me, but I, I don't want to spend my life in front of that thing, okay? All right, Colossians 1 is where we're going, and we've been talking about the world, and Christ forever, one of us, guys, he's, he's our barrier to the world, and we need nothing more. Christ becomes that barrier, and I, I don't know if you've ever found this out, but in my own life, when I tried to detach myself from the things of the world, they got greater, they got larger in my life. I become more involved with it. When I try to detach myself is, so the key for every one of us is when I realize that within me, Christ has, has redeemed me. He's redeemed me from the world. I don't have to detach myself from the world. Christ already did it. He did it. Now you say, man, what is he talking about? Well, I want you to see some of this things. Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut some of it where we were last week. Begin with me in just verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, the New International Version says, who's qualified you to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, that means right there that Jesus has qualified you and me, and we have an inheritance. Now, in life, wouldn't it be a shame if you had an inheritance from great Aunt Bessie that she left you a million dollars, but you never knew about it? And so you go your whole life, and you're on your deathbed, and one of your kids comes in and says, Man, I hate to tell you this, but did you realize Aunt Bessie let you this much? Now, this is how the Bible is, guys. We've been given an inheritance in here. And the only way you find out what your inheritance is, is I've got to study the Bible. I've got to get in there. And every bit of it is associated with what Jesus did for us. Now, some of these next few verses will tell you some of the things he did. Verse 12. He has delivered us or delivered me from the power of darkness from the control of darkness or the dominion of darkness. Now, that part right there that says he has delivered me from the power of darkness, it's cross-referenced back into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, 12 says, 
that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, ruler, darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So what Jesus has delivered us from is these demonic forces. Everything that he talked about, or I just quoted in Ephesians 6.12, these demonic forces, guys, are the fallen angels that were kicked out of heaven. They were the ones that were stupid enough to follow the devil, Lucifer, Satan. And so when they were kicked out of heaven, guess where they landed? Right here. Right here. And they have a legal right to be here, and they're going to be on this earth and until Jesus comes the second time and, and locks them in, in, in the pits of hell. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be dominated by him. He said that he's delivered me from the, the power of darkness, the control of darkness, the dominion of darkness. I've just got to understand how he's delivered me. That's through the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. Now, you can read this over and over and say, man, I, I've been delivered. But something happens when I begin to apply the Bible. When I begin to speak in the name of Jesus. And he's delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, that can look differently from every one of us in here. You may be dominated by some area of darkness where I do have been dominated by some area of darkness. But regardless of what it is, right here, he's given us Dominion, he's delivered us from them. Colossians 2, verse 15 says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11, it says that Jesus' name is the name above every name. In heaven, in earth, and in hell. You know what, that's a lot better than Visa. It's, it's everywhere. It is a good thing. But it does not happen... Unless I start understanding my inheritance that I have in the name of Jesus. And so, as long as I'm on the world, guys, in this world, the, the demonic forces are going to try to antagonize me. They're going to try to come after every one of us. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're weird. It just means that if you allow it to, you've yielded to them. For years of my life, I yielded to certain things in my life. You know why? Number one, I wasn't born again. And number two, I didn't have a clue what my inheritance was. But oh, when I started finding out what my inheritance was, man, I'm going to tell you, it is wonderful to start understanding the authority you have in Jesus' name. And I said you, okay? It didn't say ministers, pastors. It says, these signs shall follow those who believe. That's every one of us. Get a hold of this. Start speaking this out of your mouth. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now there can be no redemption, guys, without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus has redeemed every one of us. Each one of us in here. Now I want you to, to think back here at what he starts with in verse 12. Verse 13, verse 14. He started out in verse 12, giving thanks. I believe once again, it's one of the most important things we can do. I don't think throughout the day you can say, thank you, Jesus, enough. Thank you, Jesus, for the, the daily necessities I have. I don't know about you, but I thank God I had a hot shower today. I've been down in Mexico before and I didn't have one. Thank God I got food. Thank God. He's mercied me and graced me. Have you ever thought about your day, even when you're in the car, 
How many times that he's protected us from being in an accident, and a lot of times we don't even know it. We don't even have a clue. Now, there are times you realize, man, it was about a month ago, and I'm, I'm telling you, I was within an eyelash of hitting this elderly woman. She pulled out in front of me, and I'm, I, I still wonder if there wasn't an angel that stopped it, because I don't know how I didn't hit her. How did you behave in that, Pastor? I didn't do real well. I didn't do real well. I'm just going to be honest. And my flesh rose up, and I said some things that I probably shouldn't have. Talked about her IQ, and so I, I shouldn't. That's beside the point, okay? But the thing is, so many times if we would just be thankful. Thankful for what? Number one, he said in verse 12, that we have been qualified as partakers of the inheritance in life. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 13, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've delivered me. Now, you know what some people would say about that? Why would I thank him when he hasn't delivered me? You didn't read the verse. Look again in, that, in, the, in verse 13. It says, who has, who has delivered me? If you go back to verse 12, it says, who has qualified us? Who has delivered us? And so you know what all that tells me? That's part of my inheritance. I just didn't know it. He's delivered me? Yeah. So why am I not walking in it? Probably because I didn't know what it was or I didn't know how to appropriate it. And then the last one, he says, in whom we have redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. Redeemed from what? Well, Galatians 3.13 says that he's redeemed us from poverty, from the curse of the law, which is poverty, sickness, and death. He's redeemed every one of us. So if you've given Jesus your heart, guess what? These blessings fall right toward you. You just got to get a hold of it. And I think one of the best ways you get a hold of these guys is start speaking the word over you. Get in the book and start speaking these over. Speak these over your... Thank you today, Lord, I've been qualified. Thank you today, Lord, you've delivered me. You've delivered me from the power of lying. You've delivered me from the power of lust. You've delivered me. Whatever it is. And then I thank you for... Oh, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. No more poverty, no more sickness, and no more death. I've been redeemed. And so once again, what are you doing? I'm lining my heart, my mind, and my mouth up with what the Bible says. Now look, look back. I got one more before I want to move on tonight. In Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Move back there to your left. Romans 8. You got to see this here, guys. These are some truths that I believe will, will set you free. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now. Now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How do I come in Christ Jesus? Man, I get born again. I believe in Jesus. I give my heart to him. Now, notice that what he said. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So as a believer, when condemnation comes around, you can guarantee it's not from Jesus. So who's it from? Him. What is condemnation? It's like being hit in the head over and over the ball ping hammer. How many of you ever felt like the devil does that? He's relentless. He just keeps pinging you on the end, and he tells you how sorry you are. He tells you how you've messed up. He tells you how shameful you are. You're disgraceful, da-da-da-da-da. That didn't come from God. That comes from the devil, and it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when that shows up, 
You need to say, huh? Not in the name of Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things have become new to me. That's, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Where I begin to say, thank you, Lord. I'm a new creation in him. Now keep reading here with me. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, the word therefore is, where it says there is there now therefore, because of the very salvation, the very fact of salvation, and that's faith and believing in Jesus. That's all that is, guys. There's no condemnation to us. That very fact that because I'm in Christ, I've been born again, I don't have to live that way. Now look what he goes on to say in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit in life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now that point right there that, that Paul says, I believe he tells us that we're either going to live by the law of life in Christ Jesus or the law of sin and death. One or the other. How do I live by the law of life in Christ Jesus? I give my heart to him. I'm one of yours now, Lord Jesus. This is part of my inheritance. And right there where he said he has made me free, that means to acquit. That means to deliver. It says here that that word is used exclusively for Jesus setting believers free from the dominion of sin. Exclusively. That means for every one of us that Jesus has paid a price for each one of us. Now, when it talks about the law here, the law of sin and death, guys, that is in reference to the, the operation of the world. That's in, in reference to the devil. What's going on right here? That if I live by the law of sin and death, guys, I'm coming under his dominion. I don't have to. You don't have to. Now, this is what I want to get into tonight. Christians, believers, we have a vital place in this thing called the world. Though I'm saved, though I'm born again, though Jesus has delivered me from dominion, have you figured out that God hasn't taken us out of this world? You think about this just for a minute. If God wanted me out of this world, the minute I got born again, he would have pulled me out of here, he would have yanked me out of here. But notice as believers, we're all still here. Why are we still here? We play a vital role here on this earth, in this world. And that's what I want you to see tonight. Go with me to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And we're going to be in John quite a bit tonight. As you're turning there, I, I've, man, just sometimes you hear things over the week and you hear the thoughts of men, the wisdom of men. And I heard a guy two days ago and he was sincere, but you know what he said? He said, you know what is wrong with America? You know what's wrong with the world? And the guy interviewed him said what? And he said, we need more education. We need to spend more money on education. Now, I'm not against education, okay? I mean, you think, you think education's expensive, try ignorance. It'll cost you a bunch. I'm not against that. But then the next thing I saw, they said, you know what? The, the way to get America going again, man, we've got to have free enterprise. We've got to have free enterprise. We've got to create jobs. We've got to create business, da-da-da-da-da. 
And then I heard another one say, you know, the problem right now in America is we've got to have gun control. Too many crazy people are getting guns. And I sat there and I started listening to all these opinions of the world. And I thought about each one that I mentioned. I thought, no, that's not the answer. No, that's not the answer. No, none of those are the answer. You know what the answer is? Jesus. Jesus is the answer to every one of them. I'm going to tell you, you put Jesus in people's heart and you'll see a change. I'm going to tell you guys, you can, get, you can put a gun into anybody's hands and if they're full of Jesus, they're not going to do anything stupid. Okay? And so I look at all these things and I think, this is where our world's going. We think this thing of the world will fit. This is so much as spiritual. You want to solve prejudice? Get people born again. That's the key. But I'm going to tell you right now, and this may be a little bit of my opinion, if people don't have Jesus in their hearts, we're going to be ugly to each other. I don't care who you are, what color of skin you are, we're going to be... Only Jesus can do that. And so the answer to our world is not all these things. It's Jesus that's why I believe he left me and you down here. Now look what is said in this passage here. I'm, I'm in, in John 17. Jesus has a prayer here that he's praying for his disciples. Start with me in verse 9. And it says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Those ones that are born again. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. How did he say he was glorified? In them. In me and you. That's how Jesus is glorified. Keep reading. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost or destroyed except the son of perdition or the son of destruction that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now Jesus right here, guys, he's telling us, I, I want joy fulfilled in you guys. I want that fulfilled in every one of you. Now get, get this real good here, these next few verses. Look at verse number 14. I have given them your word or your message, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The Amplified says specifically, they do not belong to the world. Now what did he say there? The world hated them. Just a little insight for each one of us, guys. The world will hate you because of Jesus. It will hate you because of the Word of God. Understand that. This is what Jesus said. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Did you hear that? I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. And so we're not called to overcome the world by getting out of the world. We're called to overcome the world by being right, right here in the middle of the world. And in this passage, he says, 
I ask that you protect them from the evil one or the evil that's in this world. Verse 17 or 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You know what that means, guys? I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm in Christ Jesus. I live for Him. Many times in the Scriptures, it'll use the word sojourner. You know what that means? We're just passing through. We're just passing through. I'm on my way to heaven. But while I'm on my way to heaven, I'm called and you're called to influence this place called the world. Keep reading. Verse 18. Jesus' words. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Get that, guys. Just as Father God sent Jesus into the world, what did he send Jesus into the world to? Scripture says that Jesus said, I came into this world to destroy the works of darkness. And he said, just as the Father has sent me, I've sent you. So when I read this, just as Jesus made a difference, right where he was at in this world, think about that, wherever Jesus was, he made a difference. I believe that's the same instruction for me and you. Wherever we're at, work, school, playtime, Wherever we're at, we are sent to make a difference. We're to be the light. Now, sometimes I hear people's, you know, their stories, what's going on in their life, and it's not as if people are bragging on themselves, so guess what? I'll brag on them. And I was, I was talking to Bob Worth yesterday, and he plays golf, and the place he plays golf at, you've got all the guys who work at the golf course. Well, he's, he's got some of them where he's praying with them and telling them about the things of God. And I got tickled when he was telling me this because I realized what I was going to speak on tonight. And I thought, right there at the golf course, he's making a difference. I don't care where you're at. You're called to make a difference. We're called to be the light. Now turn back a couple pages to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Let me tell you what's going on in this. And, and it, the subtitle of John chapter 8 in my Bible says, an adulteress, an adulteress faces the light of the world. So what's going on here, guys, is these, these religious leaders that are Pharisees and scribes, the Pharisees, the, the, the couldn't seize, wouldn't seize, all of them, guys. They were religious as they could be. They, they catch this woman in the act of adultery. What's always interesting to me about that passage, they never bring up the man. Oh, where was it? You caught him in that. You caught him in the act of adultery. Where did he go? I'm not talking about that, so we better move on. But they come to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus in Moses' law, he, he said that if we caught one in the act of adultery, we're to stone them. What do you think? Well, in this passage, Jesus leans down and it says with his finger he's writing in the dirt. I've always wondered what he was writing in the dirt. I really, you know what I think he was writing in the dirt? I-D-I-O-T. Idiot. Now, I don't know that. That's just my thought. He just looks at him like, come on, guys. And so they don't think he hears. So they ask him again, and it says specifically, he stands up and looks at him and says, you who's without sin cast the first stone. And then it says, he kneels back down and he starts writing again. I can't wait to heaven till we see all that. I really want, I'm interested in it. So this time, after he says that, 
The Bible specifically says in verse number 9, being convicted of their conscience. You know what that means? That means when he said that, the Holy Spirit started working in them. And that's a good thing. When the, if you'll notice, they were convicted in their conscience. It doesn't say they were condemned in their conscience. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. You know what conviction does? Conviction says, man, i got to repent. Condemnation beats me up. That's not what he did there. And so it convicted these guys. And Jesus looks up and says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she's basically, I don't know where they've gone. And he said to her, daughter, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Now look at verse 12. This is what happened after all this. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Who is? Jesus is. In Hebrews, it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, a lot of people won't admit that he's the light of the world, but Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, the world, guys, where we live is in darkness apart from him. Go back in your life. Before you got born again, how many of you, be every one of us, but how many of you ever recall walking in darkness? And I walked in darkness, guys, day by day by day. And guess what? In that darkness, I was searching for something that would bring light. How many of you got to a place in your life where you thought, man, there's got to be more to life than how I'm living it? That's how I was. That's how I was. And you know, today, for some reason, they were asking me some of my past today. And I was telling them, and I recalled a story today that I remember when I was about 18, one of the guys with me, he went into a garage and he stole a bunch of stuff. And we were sitting there watching him, and all of a sudden this guy came out with a shotgun and pointed it at him. And I was like, we came close to dying. We came close to being shot. And I think about that in my own life. The darkness I was living in was probably like many of you. If I didn't get off of that and give my heart to Jesus, I'd been either dead or in jail. There's no doubt in my mind. But the light of the world came into my life. Now, that verse right there is cross-referenced back to John 1. Go back to John 1, and I want you to see this a little bit different. John 1. The cross-reference verse was verse 4, but I'm going to start in verse 1. I want you to see this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now that verse right there has got some golden nuggets in it. In Jesus is life, and the life, which is Jesus, was the light of all men. Without Jesus in my heart, guys, there is no light. But with Jesus in my heart, I become the light. Really? Keep reading. And the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness did not understand it. Now, what you find out about life or light, guys, it's always greater than darkness, and it will always outlast darkness. 
This is what he's talking about. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Just like me and you. When you read verses 7, 8, and 7 and 8, the man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Guess what we're called to do? We're to call to bear witness of that light. And when people see us, they ought to see Jesus. When they hear us, they ought to hear Jesus. We're called to be that light. Now, it doesn't surprise me that Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But it does surprise me when Jesus tells me and you, we're called to be the light of the world. Did you guys know that? You say, where's that at? I'm glad you asked. Go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. I want you to see this. You're called to be the light just like I am. Okay, guys, we're, we're called here to make a difference. Matthew 5. Uh, let's start in verse 13. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now get that. He didn't say we're the salt of heaven, did he? He said You're the, you are the salt of the earth. Who is? Us as believers, we're called to salt this earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, it loses its grace, how shall it be seasoned? Now, I circled the it in my Bible. How shall it be seasoned? What was the it? The earth. The only way that God is going to salt the earth is through me and you. We're the salt of the earth. Are you happy or does it make you a little nervous? Keep reading. It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light, now get this, you are the light where? Of the world. Who is? Me and you. We are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're supposed to be right in the middle of the world, guys. I'm not supposed to detach myself from the world. I'm not supposed to avoid the world. I'm supposed to make a difference in it. And salt and light are called to be influencers of a secular society. So many times, guys, as believers, we've wanted to pull ourselves away from the world. I'm to influence the world. Now, here's the deal. I've got to be strong enough in the things of God, and you've got to be strong enough in the things of God to handle that. When I first got born again, guys, I wasn't strong enough. I, got, I had a bunch of zeal. Man, I was passionate about God. You know what I said? I'm going to the nightclub, and I'm going to win them all to Jesus. And guess what happened? They all won me back to Jack Daniels. I'm serious, guys. I cried and repented and said, oh, God, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it. And so I realized I wasn't strong enough to go in that environment for several years. But, oh, something began to happen on me, that God began to work on the inside of me. And I'm telling you now, I, I can go in that setting and be as loving I'm not condemning it all. I can love and love and love. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be the light of the world. 
He wants us to be around the people. He wants us to be a difference maker wherever we're at. I wasn't called to get pulled out of this. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you work around some really, really ungodly people? I've been there. I'm, I mean, woo! You've heard some of my stories. When you'd tell them good morning, they'd shoot you the finger. And I mean, just, you know, everything in the book. I, I remember one day these guys had put a bunch of Playboy centerfolds. They taped them to the back of my pickup, and I didn't know it. I'm driving around town, and people are honking at me, and I'm, hey, hey. I get out, and I look, and I think, oh, Jesus. And I knew which ones of them did it, and I just looked at them. And I realized, guys, all those years, guess what I was there for? To be the light of a dark place. Was it easy? Not a lot of times. But I realized, you know what? God strategically put me there that I was only the source of light and salt that was there. And guess what to this day? I don't know how many of those guys, when their family dies, I bury them. When their kids get married, I marry them. It's job security. Marry them and bury them. Just kidding. Man, when life breaks loose, all hell breaks, they call me. I get calls from them to this day. Guess what it was? It was learning. I'm going to be the salt. Ooh, let me finish this passage right here. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. We're not to hide what Jesus has done. We're supposed to look at what's happening. I don't know about you. I, I love it when I get around people and they say, what happened to you? What happened to you? You're not the same person. And I tell them, you know what? Jesus came into my heart and he saved me and he changed me. I was the highlight of my 30-year class reunion. It was over and over. What happened to you? What? Jesus. Jesus came into my life. Jesus came into my life. You know what every one of them would say? I can't believe you're still married. I kind of shocked about it too. It's <laughs> so what happens when Jesus comes into your life. Verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but under lamps, and, and it gives light to all are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. You know what the Amplified says for good works? Your moral excellence. I'm going to give you a huge tip right there. If you'll note in that Bible, Jesus said that they will see your good works. It didn't say they will hear your talky-talky. He said they will see your good works. And so this is what I've come to the conclusion in my own life. Most of the time, people are more interested in what you do than what you say. And the worst thing we can do as Christians is acknowledge Him with our mouth and deny Him with our lifestyles. That's what an unbelieving world finds simply crazy. Whoa, pastor, whoa. And so I've been around family lately, and I told Shelly, I said, Dear, I know it's not so much what I say, it's what I do. And guess what? If you guys have ever been with me and say, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do fun things. You won't hear me do anything crazy, morally stupid. I'm going to live for Jesus, and I'm going to encourage them that way. But they let me drive, and when they let me drive, I said, put your seatbelt on. It's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy life, but guys, I'm, I'm going to live a life that, that shows I'm born again. I'm the light. 
thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.